Well, again, I know you were encouraged by the life team. Thank you guys so much for being here. And I think we all want to celebrate some other folks that are here today. Uh, Ron and Kay, it was so great to have them here. So wonderful. You have been bathed in prayer. I think you know that, but it is wonderful, wonderful to see. And I just want to say before we begin how thankful I am for uh, all the many volunteers and leaders who made the Fall Festival happen last Sunday night. I kind of wish the weather was a little bit different today versus last Sunday. We were out there, it was cold, but if you served in any way as a volunteer, if you, uh, oh goodness, what's this say? Uh, Halloween's over, people, you can put away those weird clothes. Oh yes, there we go. Oh, I see. Jeff's making a little bit of comment there on our own worship band. Okay. If you were a part of the leadership team, you served as a volunteer, you were the Cook family, you were in the band, you were one of the folks in the trunk or treat, would you please stand, all who had a part in volunteering or making sure everything went well last Sunday night? Can we just say thank you to them? Thank you. Thank you very, very much. We don't have a technical official account, but it was just right at 200 folks uh, that were a part of the Fall Festival last Sunday night. So uh, we're so very thankful for each of you to serve that way. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to Luke chapter 15. We are continuing our series called Prodigal, Finding Your Way Back Home. This morning we're going to focus on one part of the story that, for me, has always been the one that I'm drawn to. If you have been clicking through the channels, maybe late one night or early some morning, and you're stumbling upon a motivational speaker or some infomercial infomercial television host, you're going to here are some people who want to help you change your life. Uh, they might be selling the magic bullet, and if you'll just drink those hideous shakes, you'll be healthy. Or the Bowflex, if you'll just use this exercise machine, you'll be fit and you'll be healthy. Uh, if you'll just do these investment advice tips, or buy this product for real estate market, you'll be wealthy and have all the things you've ever wanted. Uh, they, they try to entice you for a life change. Maybe you're at a point where you need to be more healthy or you need to begin to eat right or you need to change jobs or you need to invest. And they, they try to capture this idea that you can just make a change and all your dreams will come true. They want you to stop and look in the mirror and figure out what their product can do for you, what their promise can provide. It's, it's a motivational technique or a sales technique that they try to use to get you to come to your senses, come to the realization that you can't live without what they are selling. Uh, Dave Ramsey, who is a popular financial guru and radio talk show host, says this about people who need to change their lives. That until they say, I've 
had it. They'll never change. But in that moment when they say, I'm done, I'm finished, I've had it, I'm through, it's over, then change can really, really take place. He says you have to come to your senses and declare enough is enough. I, I read this wall hanging uh, a time before, and I've seen it a couple times since. It says this, Sometimes you have to lose your mind before you will come to your senses. Any of you lost your mind with your kids and helped them come to their senses? Sometimes you've got to lose your mind before you'll come to your senses. Sometimes you have to say, I've had it. Sometimes you have to take a hard look in the mirror. Sometimes you have to find yourself in pig slop, leaning up against a pig trough to realize you need to do something different. That's where we find our prodigal son this morning. Uh, again, Luke chapter 15 is the text that we're going to read, and I want to share it to you with you today from a little different translation than we've shared the last few weeks. I've been reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, but today I'm going to read it out of the Message Translation of the Bible. It's technically not a translation, it's a paraphrase. And I just want you to know quickly before I read this, this is a modernized version, a contemporary arrangement. It's not true to the story that Jesus shared, same ideas, same basic characters, but it's meant to be used in a more down-to-earth, casual fray, uh, a way of sharing this passage. So let me read it for you. Luke chapter 15 uh, from the message paraphrase. Then Jesus said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. So he signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And he got up. And he went home to his father. And when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. 
his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Then get that grain-fed heifer. That's my favorite part. Get that grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead, now alive. Given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. There was something about that pig trough that brought him to his senses. If you can imagine all the smells that accompany a pig trough, all the sounds that accompany a pig trough, all the sights that accompany a pig trough, it's going to bring him to his senses. And this morning I'm going to ask the Lord and ask His Word to bring us to our senses. Not because of the sights or the sounds or the smells, but because all of us at times have found our way into a pig trough of our own making. And so what responses, what pig trough senses did this younger son come to? The first sense that he comes to is the sense of, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. He's broke. He's far from home. While he has found a job, it is the most humiliating work that he could ever come by. He's feeding pigs. His big break in the big wide world has led him to feeding pigs. Now, if you were standing in the crowd when Jesus said this parable, and the pig section came up, you would gasp. You would have your breath taken away. Because a pig, a sow, swine, in the day of Jesus is the lowest form and the most filthy of animal. Uh, you would say something like my older son says, Ew! Ew! You would have turned your nose up, you would have snarled your face, you might have even pulled your feet up off the ground, like just the thought of pigs and being in pig troughs and, and eating the food of pigs. It would have made you so disgusted. But Jesus is trying to make a very, very clear point. He wants us to feel the repulsion that comes from sin. Jesus is really turning up the cranks here. He's saying that His work is resulting in Him being around pigs and feeding pigs and, and in the slop that the pigs have for themselves, in the mud of the pen and in the, in the filth and the dirt. He really is laying it on thick. But then He cranks it up a notch in that He makes the picture that this younger son doesn't just work with pigs. He doesn't just be around pigs and touch pigs. He desires the slop that the pigs are eating. I like how the message actually phrases it. 
he was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. And you got to be hungry. You got to be really hungry. Jesus is wanting us to imagine someone who has realized, I'm a mess. I'm in a mess. And everything around me is a mess. You see, friends, because of our choices and because of our own desires, sometimes we can find ourselves in a mess. And we realize when we come to our senses just what mess we're in. The mess we've made with the relationship, maybe the mess we've made in our business, the mess we've made with someone that we love, the mess that we've made with one of our kids, one of our family members. Maybe we've made a mess with our finances. We've made a mess with our marriage. We've made a mess with our relationships. Maybe we've made a mess with our neighbors. Our... We can make a mess. And we can come to a realization from time to time that we are just in a mess. That we're the mess. And we're the cause of the mess. Jesus, in meeting the disciples early on in Luke chapter 5, He comes upon a group of fishermen. And the Bible says that they had been fishing all night long and they hadn't caught anything. And Jesus yells out to them, put your nets on the other side of the boat. And when they do, they bring in a catch that is absolutely amazing. And Peter, who was one of those fishermen, one of those of the earliest disciples, he immediately recognizes who Jesus is and the power Jesus has and the miracle that he has just observed. And he immediately recognizes, I am a mess. And it's not just the fact that he's spent all night on a boat or that he spent all morning heaving in fish. It's not the way he smells. It's not the work that he's done. He recognizes in the presence of Jesus, he is a mess. And the scripture says that Peter in Luke chapter 5 verse 8, that when Peter saw this enormous amount of fish, that he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. All of us realize from time to time that we're a mess and that Jesus is holy and right and good and we're none of those things. But let me give you hope already early on in this message. Isn't it amazing that even in our mess, God makes beautiful things? It's the idea of clay in the hands of the potter. If you really think about the components of clay, it's dirt, it's mud, it's a mess. But when you allow the Lord to shape and to mold and to craft and to rebuild, He can make beauty from the mess. That's what He's going to do in this man's life. He recognized, he came to his senses that he was a mess. Secondly, I want you to know that he recognizes in the pig trough all that he's done. He recognizes all that he's done. 
he looks back over the choices of the last few months, few years. We don't know the time in the parable. He asked for his father to drop dead. He asked for his inheritance before his father had passed. He'd gone off to a distant country to get away and do what he wanted. We know from his older brother's testimony, he's been rebellious, he's been reckless, he's been loose with women. All the money's gone. All the dreams are gone. All the hopes that he thought might come are gone. And he says in his heart, look at what I've done. I'm a mess. And I've made a mess. And it's like scales come off his eyes. Like a blind man who finally has sight. It's like something switches. And there in the middle of the pig trough, in the middle of the pig slop, when his stomach is growling for corn cobs. It's like everything comes to clarity and he sees the mess that he's made and he sees what he has done and he recognizes it's all because of his own sinful choices. Friends, let me tell you. Sin will take you further than you want to go and it will keep you there longer than you want to stay and it will cost you more than you ever want to pay. Sin will take you further than you've ever wanted to go. And it will cost you more than you really want to pay. And if you're trapped in it, it will keep you there longer than you want to be. If you leave sin unchecked, if you leave those things that have made a wreck of your life and a wreck of others' lives, if you leave those choices and those disobedient actions unchecked, they will cost you, they will cost you more than you ever anticipated. It's like shackles that become around your feet and around your hands and chained around your heart. The only way to find freedom is to do what this young man does in the parable. He says, i got to go to my father's house. The third and fourth sense I want to connect in this parable is what happens when he finally sees the light. When he finally comes to his senses, when he finally recognizes where he's at, what he's done, where he's been, when he finally is alerted to what the sin has cost him, he asks the question, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And he recognizes he's going back to his father. Friends, let me give you some hope today. There's really two things that we can take away. When this young man makes his trail back to his father, when this young man makes his path back to his home, he thinks, he thinks all that he has done will destroy his relationship with his dad. But here's hope. When we return to our father and have truly confessed and truly repented and truly desire to turn away, the Father forgets it all. The Father forgets it all. 
You notice in the retelling of the passage that he has his speech ready and he's ready to give his speech and he shares his speech and the message paraphrase actually says it in a way that I think we understand, but his father wasn't listening. His father wasn't listening. His father was already planning. Planning for the fat heifer. (laughs) Planning for the robe. Planning for the ring. Planning for the sandals. Planning for the party. If we really, truly in our hearts have a confession and a repentance and a desire to leave the mess and go back to our Father, we can be assured our Father is always willing to take us back. You can always return to God. You can always return to His house. Friends, this house is not a house only for the perfect saints. This house is always for the messy sinner. And when we come back to our Father's house, and we come back to our Father's presence, and we come back into our Father's Uh, graces. We might come with our speech, but He's not listening. He's listening to your heart. Now the second thing I want to share about when we've made a mess of things and that we come to our senses, you can be assured that the Father's invitation is always open, but it might take some time to build trust with others. It might take time to build trust with others. I was counseling a couple. It's been several years ago now. And they were going through some pretty hard times. There was a series of bad choices and deceptions and half-truths. There were some times of anger and I think even some things were thrown at each other in the house. And I remember in my little office there, counseling this couple, the wife saying something that I've never forgot. Because the way she said it rung true. She looked at her husband who she was pretty angry with. And she looked him dead in the eyes and said, I love you, but I don't like you. I love you, but I don't like you. And she said it with steel in her back. She loved him, but she didn't like him. Oddly enough, when he replied, it was almost, I know. He was aware. She loved him, but she, he knew she didn't like him. And I remember that moment as being this honest moment in a counseling session where sin and disobedience and decisions and brokenness, while there might still be a love, there can often be a lack of a like. That's what's going to take time. That's what's going to take trust. That's what's going to take a spirit of of grace and forgiveness and trustworthiness over days and months, maybe years. I love you, but I don't like you. 
And, and I think in all of our relationships, when we've made a mess of things, we need to realize we can come back with a confessing heart, with a repentant heart, with a, a, a contrite heart to God, and God forgives us immediately upon confession. But that doesn't mean everybody else is going to have the same instantaneous response. It could be that we're going to have to build with trust and build with time and build with consistency what our heart really is. With God, it's instantaneous. With people, it takes time. But when we come to our senses in the pig trough, the question is, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond? And I pray that we would respond like this young man does. He comes to his father. He knows it's going to take time. But there is a forgiveness and there is a repentance and there's a restoration right on hand. Maybe today you've recognized you've been a little bit in the pig trough. You spent a little time with the pigs. And maybe as you've come to your senses in this moment or in many like it, you recognize that you can come to the Father and His invitation is open. But it's going to take some time with other people. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank You for this day and I thank You for a parable of a, a real-life kind of story. A story of a young man that made every wrong decision that he could and finally came to his senses. God, I pray right now there might be a young man, a young woman, an older man, an older woman who would say, I've made some mistakes. I've made some wrong choices. I've made some pretty big messes. And maybe today they're coming to you with a spirit of forgiveness and a spirit of brokenness, a spirit of just desiring something different. Lord, I pray that they would come to their senses today. There might be some here in this room who have watched others make mistakes and they haven't been so willing to forgive, haven't been so willing to wipe the slate clean, haven't been so willing to give a fresh start, to make a new path. Maybe today they need to take on the actions of the Father and show grace and show kindness, show forgiveness, show mercy. Lord, I know that when Your Word is brought, Your Spirit does His work. And so I pray, whatever is the decisions that need to be made today, that they would be made for Your glory and for Your honor. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?